Welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. You can find us on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D-P-U-P. We are on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P. And we are on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. I am your host, Brendan, and I'm joined by Draper. Say what's up. Hey, what's going on? And Sky. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. What it is. What it is, man. Um, we got a big show for you today. We'll be talking about the sequel to Eddie Murphy's classic comedy, Coming to America 2021. And we will be talking about the finale of WandaVision and what it means for the future of the MCU. But first, just before we start the show, Draper has revealed that he likes savory oats. Apparently, he puts salt and pepper on his oatmeal, and that surprised the heck out of me. Can you speak on that, brother? To, to be honest, I put, you know, like on, on a light day, you know, when I don't have time, it's just salt and pepper. But really, I get into my gourmet bag when I make my savory oats as well. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm mincing up a little bit of, uh, you know, jamon, you know, or something else like that. Put put a little bit of that in there for a little bit of flavor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm definitely putting peppers. I'm definitely putting you know, veggies, spinach, different things like that. Sometimes a little bit of feta. I freak, I freak my oats out. You know what hey, I'm saying? On, uh, and I'm not back up. You said feta. Yeah, I said feta, bro. You're so you. You might you. You're you're built different. You and, and now, <laughs> now, but here now now hold on now. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a birth of space, and I'm gonna I'm gonna see it from both sides because again I, I'm. You know, I came of age in the southeastern United States. Draper is a man of Morehouse. And so I am. In, in the ATL, there has been this on some of the, the community boards that, that I'm a part of still back in ATL because I've got, you know, alumni friends and whatnot. But they have been going literally to blows, vir- virtual blows about this whole thing with sugar on grits or savory grits. The whole oatmeal thing is a different thing, man. I, I can't. I'm so I can get I can get with it I can understand it, but I you know with oatmeal I've always done it you know with a little bit of honey sometimes butter. Let uh, me tell you something when 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 I was when I was in school and I went to the calf and in the cafeteria they had grits. Right. The grits came the grits came with cheese in them. They were just cheese grits. Like, you know like what I'm saying? You didn't like have that option. Like if you wanted sweet grits, you could go into your your, your room and, and try to bring some grits in with you and, and put some hot water in them in the cab. You know what I'm saying? But all I'm saying is just like there's there's you know, I got standards, bro. You know what I'm saying? I, I grew up eating like sweet oats and, and malto meal and, you know, whatever, whatever hot cereals or whatever. Okay. But I mean. I got to a point where it's just like, you know what? I'm a grown man and, and I've got diabetes as well. So I'm not okay. going to be putting sugar in my okay. grits no more. All right. So, okay. Fair enough. You know, see, that's, that's, a, that, that's a different dimension to it because you're talking about a whole thing with your, your health issues. And that's, that's smart. I get that. Here's the, here's the thing that I don't get. And here's what I'm trying to understand. Does anybody else out there put 
you know, leave, take the oats and go savory. Comments below. Let us know. Because I, I need to know. I, I hey man, just let us know. To do it. But I'm, T- take a moment. Take a moment. Google savory grits. Okay. Click images and, and get you, get ready to get your world rocked. Okay. Well, because no, hold it's, on. It's getting ready savory to go grits are fine. I've, I, you know, I ate my grits with my, my eggs and bacon. Like I'm fine with savory grits. And it's weird because, you know, cream of wheat, grits, oats, they are pretty similar, but it's so weird how everyone just draws this huge line in the sand about the flavors. I just thought just hearing savory oats, salt and pepper in my oatmeal just had really, that really just hit me different today. Anyway, speaking of hitting different, let's, uh, let's jump to coming to America. I'm sure the, the people out there didn't come to hear oatmeal talk forever. Um, yeah, after uh, 33 years, y'all, Eddie Murphy has returned with a sequel to what I believe, I don't know about you guys, but it's his best and most iconic movie coming to america iconic for sure i don't know if it's the best what would you say is better than this movie i really loved harlem nights a lot more than i love coming to america really Mm. i I watched it but i i don't agree with that i like harlem nights i feel you i like harlem Harlem nights hit different than coming to america and like even at a younger age it was just like you know the the affected accents that weren't really you know that good you know, even back in the day, you know, I grew up, you know, exposed to a lot of international stuff, you know, um, and, you know, people from Africa and, you know, university students and and different people from communities. And so when I see something like Eddie Murphy doing the accent, which he's still not really great at, I think even some of his daughters were better at it in the movie than he was, um, you know, um, even back then, I was just like, okay, it's kind of jokes, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but like Harlem Nights hit different for me. And, and I really thought that was a better flick, even though I will admit that Coming to America is more, quote unquote, iconic. I can get with that. I, I think that I think that for me, Coming to America is, is so good because of all its one-liners and, and the amount of, of, you know, this was memes before there were memes. This was memes before there yeah. was the internet. Right. And, and it yeah, really was. And that continues to there's, you know, there's still that spillover where, you know, if you start talking about coming to America, everybody talks about all the one lines that they loved when they were, you know, at when they the first time or the first few times that they saw it. As far as, you know, iconic. Yeah, I can get with that. I'm more of I'm more in the stream where Eddie Murphy is at his best when he's doing uh, socially uh, impactful comedy. Right. Like when you're talking about you know, his stand-ups with Raw, you know, and even though that's mm. not a movie and that's a stand-up and that's really what put him on the map, right? Sure, talking sure. about uh, training spaces or, or training places, excuse me, training spaces. Um, training is that places. like a reality TV show, like, training spaces? I don't know where my mind is right now, but, you know, that for me, I think is is when, you know, Murphy was doing his best comedy. Beverly Hills Cop even. Um, but coming to America does hit different than Harlem Nights, like Draper said. It, it's it's like comparing, you know, Granny Smith to uh, you know Golden Delicious to me when it comes to you know the types of comedy that he does. If that makes interesting, sense. you know what I mean. Interesting. I'll I'll leave that to you guys. I, I'm curious what everyone else thinks out there. But for quick trivia, this movie represents uh, one of the longest gaps between comedy films sequels. Mm. For my research, I believe it's only second to a 1937 film called 40 Naughty Girls. 
by the way, do you know the longest sequel gap period in history? Longest sequel gap. Is it uh, Blade Runner? No, it's, it's up there, but no. Yeah. It's uh, Bambi. Get the fuck out of Dodge, really. The gap between Bambi and Bambi 2 is 63 years. Damn. Fantasia, Fantasia is second right. with 59 years. And actually, Bambi was a DVD release, right. whereas Fantasia was in the theater. So that kind of has like an asterisk there. Bambi, that blows my mind. 63 years. That's crazy. Yeah, Disney. Yeah. Disney with the range. With, right? <laughs> That's crazy, man. Anyway, with... um. But coming to America, there's been, I don't know about you guys, but I've seen some rather intense debate online about this new movie. And I think that deserves its own conversation that we'll get to later on. Yeah. But Haven't um, you been starting some of that intense debate yourself? <laughs> <laughs> if, you've, if you've seen our social medias, you, you already know my stance on this movie, yeah. but I'm interested to hear what you all think. Uh, so I, let's get to it. I don't know about you guys, but when this movie started, I immediately started grinning. Yeah. There's the same credit. Uh, font as the original it even had that kind of warm glow filter that is common in those those older films then you see garcelle yeah she seemingly got a promotion from flower bearer to flower distributor Uh, but but before we get to garcelle can we even talk about how like that uh that that drone sequence basically is just reminiscent of like entering wakanda you know going through the mountains and everything else like that well, I think Coming to America, the original film did that first, though, right? You, it's fair argue, enough. I mean, I didn't argue, rewatch the original. Um, I think you could argue that. I still think there's a lot of cross references when you talk about yeah. um, Black Panther and, and Coming to America because there's, and, yeah, and again, there's been debate about that. There's been people talking about online whether or not Black Panther was influenced by the original Coming to America and some of its. Uh, some of the things that, that, that they were doing as far as the cinematics and, and whatnot. And then, you know, whether or not coming to America too was influenced by Black Panther. Well, there definitely is influence. I think we, there's, there's some obvious stuff in there. Yeah. But I do want to get back to Garcelle because it's Garcelle. <laughs> well, the baddie. Garcelle, I mean, Garcelle is one of my first celebrity crushes when I was growing up. Yeah. And... Yeah. And I believe she's 54 years old right now, and she was still fine this yeah. movie. Where did you kind of fall in love with her or get a crush on her? Was it the Jamie Foxx show? Jamie Foxx show, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, bro. She and Scary Spice were, like, my first, like, celebrity crushes, I think. And they're both connected to Eddie Murphy. True. Very true. Dang. Very true. Connect. <laughs> the link. There you go. Eddie Murphy with the range. The- <laughs> Anyway, um, I also want to talk about these sets. The sets were done by Douglas Mawat. They were excellent. And connecting to Black Panther, Ruth E. Carter, who did Black Panther, killed it with the costumes in this movie. Yeah, really well done. I saw some interesting things about that as well, um, about both the set and the costumes, because Ruth Carter was there. But uh, did you know that uh, some of those um, costumes were from the original? I Um, I just read that actually yeah they were they were actually from the original um and uh, i forgot who the 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 costume designer was for that but if you think back to um 
you know, some of the, the costumes or whatever from like the eighties, the really eighties style costumes, whenever they were having flashbacks and kind of like de-aging people and yeah. different things like that. Um, those were like original costumes from the original production as well. So, uh, and secondly, uh, a lot of the set design, you said, uh, it took, it, it was filmed in Tyler Perry studios, right. but it was also filmed at Rick Ross's house. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. And, you know, like the Plains of Zamunda was actually Rick Ross's property, basically. Oh, <laughs> wow. Sure. You got some nice, some nice change for that. Oh, sure. Yeah. And he was in it for like, what, like, like five seconds, right? Yeah. He made a cameo. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He had a couple of cameos. One of them, he actually had like a crown on his head and he kind of looked like that painting of big <laughs> with the, with the crown. You know what I'm saying? He kind of right. had that, that vibe going cause it was a similar crown later on in the movie. Right. Yeah. The budget for this movie was $125 million and you can tell for sure. Yeah. I think, it's definitely had a lot of um, a lot of people to pay, uh, a lot of people that needed to get get fed off this one. Um, and you brought in all these people from the original film. Plus, you had like a lot of these new people. Uh, I think they missed an opportunity of having like a a Daryl son or something else like that played by Drake. <laughs> that would have been great. Speaking of, you know, we we're talking about Black Panther and what was inspired or borrowed. We had that drum circle battle. It had the quick cuts of the original. And if you pause the movie at the right time, you can actually see the stunt double for Eddie Murphy clearly when he does a flip. Kind of same as the original film. You could just tell, like, this ain't Eddie Murphy. Yeah, you know what? I saw that, and I actually was running it back and forth just, like, in slow-mo to see. I was like, that is not Mm. Eddie, is it? That is absolutely not Eddie Murphy. Right. To be honest, there's no part of this movie that I wanted to run back and forth like that. But, you know, <laughs> fair enough, y'all. And the knives come out. And you know what? Actually, my bad. Like, when, when <laughs> Tiana Taylor got up there, I was like, all right, let's run that back real quick. Let's run Tiana Taylor back. True. Oh, God. True. Lord. Lord. I could spend the whole podcast on that. <laughs> but him find the daughters kind of reminded me of of uh, Black Panther mixed with uh, Three Ninjas. You know, these girls were like Rocky, Colt, and Tum Tum. I cannot even remember Three Ninjas <laughs> like, like that, but it's just like, I remember watching it and I remember like, this is legit <laughs> when I was a kid. But like, yeah, I can't even remember those characters. They're starting to come back once you mention their names. Like the women of Wakanda, I would love to see a movie just based around those girls. I would say, I would say the oldest daughter who was played by Kiki Lane. Right. Uh, and the youngest daughter, for sure, yeah. I'd like to see a movie. Eddie Murphy's daughter, Bella Murphy, who played the the mm-hmm. middle child, yeah, she was not that compelling. And I don't think that they gave her screen time to do anything but just like be shady. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like she didn't really have an arc, you know, where it's like, no. you know, I feel like. Was she shady? How was she shady? <laughs> she was just throwing shade to, you know, the the queen's contingent of, of the family the whole time, right. you know what I'm saying? Where it's just like oh, other okay, people okay. might've been like warming up and she was still just like, nah. Do you think that she's going to get any more parts after this though? That's my question. I think she will, but you know, I'm not, I wasn't like blown. She didn't like steal the show and, you know, I wasn't really like kind of blown away with her. Whereas uh, Mika, the the oldest, the oldest daughter, daughter. Kiki, Kiki Lane, 
She's my new storm. Tiki Lane. Yeah, she was good. You know, I love black stars. I love seeing black stars on display, and especially when it's fresh. I thought she was the best character. Easily the best character. Yeah. Wesley Snipes was my number two. I mean, as far as, like, just who made me laugh, obviously Wesley Snipes did more for me. But as far as, like, sure. my favorite character... Yeah. Can, we talk about, can we talk about uh, Wesley Snipes' uh, Koopa, Koopa, Mario Brothers Koopa-style cornrows that he was rocking? <laughs> yeah, the uh, wow. Dennis Hopper cornrows. <laughs> That's what just brought it maybe over the top. I felt like, I mean, even with, with Mika, she kind of, every time she appeared on screen, she it was like Princess, Princess Amadala. She just had like a new hairstyle every time her costumes were like, I mean, she was like a fantasy character, like a, like an anime character every time she was on screen. Yeah, and the interesting thing is uh, this was, I feel like this was a really old school film. Yeah, You know, that's kind of redone in, in the modern age where, you know, it used to be like that. And if you look at um, all the characters that Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall played, mm-hmm. the makeup for each one of those characters was four to five hours. Wow. In, yeah. I mean, so like if you think like, you know, like I'm going to do four, four to five hours of makeup today, <clears throat> you know, if you just think of the barbershop scene. You know, four to four to five hours for makeup for this, and we're going to shoot this today. Then we're going to go home. Then I'm going to do four to five hours of makeup tomorrow and shoot the other person for that same scene. And like over and over and over again with like the makeup, I was just like, now they would just say, "Oh, we'll just we'll just change your face, you know, to to look like that person. We'll just do mocap. We'll just do something else like yeah. that." Uh, and so it was very much yeah. like one of those old school type of productions, very much like. Uh, what was it? Mad Max Fury Road with the, all the yeah. practical effects and everything that they did, where it's just like the filmmaker is kind of committed to doing things uh, in, in that way. I do want to go back to Wesley Snipes a bit, because like I said, like I said, he was like I said, he was my second favorite character. Yeah. And I think everyone could tell he was really having fun with this role. My mom said on the news that the synopsis was read that his character is half general dictator and half drum major. Accurate. <laughs> yeah. And and when you compare him to the other actors in this movie, as Draper was saying, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall's accents aren't good. But you don't really care because, you know, it's it's a fictional place. But up against Wesley's accent. I think that that, that goes back to the, the whole fact that a lot of people overlook how good of an actor that Wesley Snipes really is. Wesley Snipes is is a... And again, this is a guy that's got a lot of weight under his belt as far as what he's done on screen. Um, and a lot of that has been overshadowed by a lot of the, and, and in my opinion, unfair uh, heat that he's gotten because of, you know, this so-called tax evasion and all this other, thing, and all this other shit um, that I think was really kind of uh, trumped up against him uh, to, you know, for lack of a better term. But be that as it may, I I'm re- I was really excited because Wesley Sims has always been one of my favorite actors. He just really has. And, you know, even though he's been in some things that were somewhat mediocre as far as the writing, what he brought to the productions themselves just is what made the, the, the films a Wesley Snipes film. You know, yeah, I mean. Wesley Snipes was uh, an actor in, in, an, in an era where people were developing vehicles for him 
you know, film vehicles for him to be Wesley Snipes. Um, And he he definitely is an actor, whereas you look at someone like Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall, who are at best comedic actors. Sure. You know, Um, and so whatever they're bringing to that role, it's only to kind of make you laugh and not necessarily be terribly convincing or immersive. Range, baby. Those are great points. Speaking of good jobs, I don't know how you all feel about this, but I think Leslie Jones I was did a good job. Pleasantly surprised with what she had. I to really, do. really was pleasantly surprised because, if I'm honest, a lot of the times I feel like the way that Leslie Jones was used on Saturday Night Live was not something that I enjoyed. No, it's something. I, I, I'll, I'll be straight up about it. And I don't even think it's a hot take. I think it sucks what they what they did to her, um, and 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 because she constantly ended up being a trope. Yeah, and I didn't like that shit. I think a lot of people um, mm-hmm. in the wider you know fandom and and, and you know in in a wider you know social impact context knew that it sucked. Um, and, and, you know, the way that she had been set up, you know, for failure, so to speak, almost, um, you know, it just really pisses me off because I really ha- I hang out a lot of love for Leslie Jones. I really do. Um, you know, she has a range, I think, that still has not been fully uh, allowed to to breathe and, and be put on full display. But to what Draper's point was, is that what she was given for this movie um, you know, she killed it. Um, and I was, that was Brandon's point by the way. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. But you guys point, you know, I, I think that's great that she was able to, to bring that, you know, her character, that's her own personality. And then what was on it, it within the writing, I think that she did a good job with it. And it was, it was pleasant to see surprising to be honest. Yeah. I personally think she was possibly underwritten and possibly not needed, but maybe we can talk about that a little later. Um, before we continue, say, do you uh, all have anything else yeah, positive to say? I, I, I think I could say a lot of kind of positive things, but what I would say is that um, this movie to me just felt like, I don't know. Have you guys seen that key and peel skit about uh, the gremlin sequel when they were developing the gremlin sequel? Yeah. I've seen it's that. an um, it's an amazing skit where it's just like it's a pitch meeting in a boardroom at like some studio and and everybody's like pitching their ideas and they come in with this kind of like pitch coach or whatever else like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's incredible, but it's just like, if you've ever seen gremlins too, you, you knew that it was just like, everything was over the top and everything was just like kind of its own, you know, every gremlin was like their yeah. own show basically, yeah. you know? Um, and to me, that's what this coming to America movie kind of felt like. It felt like going into a pitch meeting and just said like, how much fan service can we give? Right. You know, how, how much stuff can we kind of throw in there? That's just not necessarily going to need to be there for any sort of narrative reason, but uh, it's going to like get people, you know, hype or something for, for, for whatever reason. Right. Um, so um, there were some things in there that I could say that, you know, like uh, made me smile. Um, but there wasn't a whole. Before you, before you go on, are you going to spoil any of those cameos? Cause I feel like um, you should just start getting into spoiler, spoiler stuff now. Let me look at my notes. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I suppose we can. Um, I, I can say uh, the the actress uh, Nomzama Mbabatha. She was really good for me. The one who played Marimbe. Oh yeah, yeah. And and who she who she is in We're real talking life? Talking about the royal groomer. Um, I don't know if you guys know anything yeah, about her, but um, she's like a um, UN refu- refugee agency advocate. Mm-hmm. And she uh, won the Ludwig Rose oh. in 2020, which is an award that Mandela and Desmond Tutu have both won. Um, and she's like super duper, you know, like active wow. in in you know just global and you know African you know affairs and different things like that. And so uh, I was really surprised to you know see her in that role, and I really liked her role. So yeah. um, that's. That was kind of another bright spot. I'll be checking for her a little bit more. Sure. Yeah, that's outstanding. That's really outstanding. I didn't yeah. even know that. Um, positive things? As far as the movie's concerned, you know, honestly, I finished it just really... I, I finished it because I wanted to push through, so I made sure I had you know plenty to talk about. Um, but to be honest with you, I, I'm really, overall, happy it was made. Um, I don't know whether or not this would have gotten made, um, seeing what the circumstances are with, you know, with the, the global epidemiological situation and everything. I think that eventually it maybe it would have. Um, but I think that this is something that was, um, it was a bright spot. You know, there, there was a lot of fan service, like uh, Draper mentioned. And I think that the overall, you know, the overall sake of nostalgia that it was made. Um, you know, brought a smile to my face. And, and I think it, it, it did the same to countless other fans of the original movie as well. Um, it was also really cool to see, you know, young black talent on display, you know, and, and for, for what it's worth. That's what, I, that's what I enjoy the most about it, to be honest with you. Um, and again, like I said, Wesley Snipes. To go back to Draper's point about the Gremlins pitch meeting, I felt like this movie was... You know when there are sequels to kids animated films where they don't really have a a better story. It's just more colors or maybe a new cute mascot and lots of lights. And they hope that can kind of obscure the lack of plot or character development. I feel like this is that with this movie. Yeah. And instead of like the flat, the, the flashing lights and color, it's just a bunch of cameos and nostalgia to just hide a very poorly written film. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to the core elements of this film and to me why they fall apart immediately. Yeah. Number one, the story revolves around Akeem having a son named Lavelle. But let me ask you guys out there, how do we know that he is actually his son? We don't. We don't. As far as, like, as, far as the movie goes, we don't. Thank you. Akeem said a line about going to Queens, looking into his son's eyes, and he would know. And that plot point was completely thrown out. Mm-hmm. And Lavelle's mother, Leslie Jones' character, said that she was promiscuous at that stage of her life, so she didn't know who the father was. And everyone around her was like, yeah, that's true. And again, that plot point was never brought up again. So there how did Povich didn't make a, a cameo? Because that would have made the movie way better. Something. Yeah, you know what I mean? But... Y- you, I mean, I think that that plot point, and again, it was never really, re- either one of those was really referred back to, but 
it was um, replaced by the princely test or something else like that as like the oh, way that has to... nothing to do with that though there was no dna test or lying saying that there was a dna test so literally everyone is supposed to believe that this man a man who looks nothing like his father or mother a man who's lighter than both his parents is supposed mm-hmm. to be heir to this kingdom on faith no. uh, but i mean no here's the thing uh, that's what belief is. It's faith. And if they believe that like only a person who was of the Jaffe Jaffer or the, the Jaffer, you know, bloodline could pass these these tests or whatever else like that, then this was the final way to determine whether or not somebody. But those be, tests were garbage. A lot of beliefs are garbage. If anyone walks into my poor apartment and drops a briefcase full of millions of dollars in gold bars that says you're going to inherit this. I'm going to work on those tests too. It doesn't matter. This movie has a threat of war and lineage and all this stuff. And the stakes are just nothing because we don't know who this kid is. Like this kid, I thought it was going to be a, you know, we talk about coming to America. I'm thinking about that movie made in America with um, Ted Danson and with yeah. Goldberg yeah. Um, about how it was revealed in the end of the movie that, Ted Danson was not Nia, what's her name? Nia Long's father. And I thought it was going to be a plot point in this movie that in the end, it was going to be revealed because they never addressed it that he really wasn't Eddie Murphy's son, but they just, they just went with it. And I, my brain was just stuck at the first 10 minutes of the movie the whole time, because it's hard to even believe in this thing when they don't really establish a core aspect of the film. Yeah. I wasn't really falling for the, uh, the reverse Nigerian Prince trick. It just seemed, there just seemed to be too many holes. It set up so many holes in the entire plot. And it just like, as soon as I heard this and they went with this as, okay, this is what you're going to go with for the rest of the movie. This is what the movie's going to rest its entire premise on. I was like, eh, this isn't going to, this is probably not going to shape up to be that good. This is a sign of things to come for the rest of the movie. And sure enough, you know, like you said, you know, if somebody comes to you with the right motivation, you know, my grandfather used to say, "You can if you you can you know stick a cattle prod up a horse's ass and teach it how to deal cards if you really try hard enough, right?" And you know, therein is the motivation. Somebody drops massive bands in your living room, you could probably find a way to 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 to, to pass the 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 crucible, right? I don't know. There's that, and then there's a lot of the other things I saw in the movie. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but you know, there's also a lot of things that that seem somewhat problematic as far as you know, the people of Zamunda versus the, the I guess you could say the working class and the serfs versus the royals. Um, and a lot of it, you know, had to do with, with you know, some of the dancing scenes. The, the choreography was actually done by Paul Abdul, believe it or not, um, which, I mean, you could see it like the, the they were beautifully done. Um, but the thing that really kind of did it in for me was like, you know, these tropes of, you know, they're really scantily clad, they were, you know, I was waiting for body parts to start flapping around all over the place because, you know, some of those costumes were barely there, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not complaining about that. What, what I'm talking about is some of these tropes as showing, you know, I guess you could say the the lower social classes of Zamunda just being these, uh, you know, uncivilized wildlings, you know, versus, you know, the the royals that are supposed to be you know, this landed gentry. I didn't really, I didn't really like that so much. And what I found fascinating, you talked about the, the groomer and she was talking about how there were sexist people in America, but I'm like, are you looking at your own kingdom? Because Jesus Christ, 
Jesus Christ. Yeah. I, I think I think she did talk a lot about the the, the sexism in um in Zamunda. I, I think well, that she, was well, a she big talked about how, how she can't own a business. Yeah, that was that was something. But I feel like there should there was so much sexism in that kingdom. I mean, we knew it in nineteen eighty eight, but it was kind of funny at that time. But for a movie that talks about, you know, I have a grand son used to be granddaughter or vice versa trying to be somewhat progressive on this level and not really addressing the super problematic aspects of that i mean it did in the end and i and i kind of want to get to that but i can get to it now um if you want i really don't like this this trope of male dominated movies and some of them just being bumbling idiots and then acknowledging that the women were right all along and giving them their flowers like 10 minutes before you cut to black like black panther you know, we were like, are you team T'Challa or team Killmonger? And really, the answer was Nakia was right the whole time. And T'Challa's conclusion was pretty much what Nakia was advocating for the whole time. You got Aladdin, right? Aladdin, you know, I don't want to marry any prince. You know, I, I want to do my own thing. I want to be a queen. I can do this. And But the whole thing's about Aladdin. And then at the end of the day, Jasmine, you get the crown. And it's like five minutes before the movie's over, cut to black. Yeah. Um, in this movie, I'm literally spending an hour and a half with this bumbling idiot who I don't even know is really Akeem's son. This is the focus. Then we have this eldest daughter, Mika, who is extremely capable. Uh, she's she's intelligent. She's charismatic. She's a badass warrior. And we ignore her completely. Yeah. She even, in the end, starts to help this dude. So, you know, you know, I think it was telegraphed that the movie was going to let her be the queen at the very beginning. I, I knew it was going to come. But in the middle of the film, near the end of the film, she was helping out Lavelle. And I'm like, did she just surrender to this? Yeah. And then, you know, no, five minutes before the movie is over with, she gets it. And then we're done. I'm just, I'm kind of tired of that trope of, like, ignoring the better characters, the better women, women of color, black women, just to kind of give them their flowers for like a few minutes before we leave and, and never have a sequel to really see what they do with yeah. that power. Yeah. Does and that make sense? I, I'm with you. Uh, and to be honest with you, I think that it, it makes it even more disappointing because, you know, we've had, and especially of recent and of late in, in cinema, we've had much better uh, representations and depictions of uh you know, African excellence, right, um, on the big screen, and even of, you know, um, of fictional African nations. You know, you could even talk about, again, going back to Black Panther, and I hate using, uh, you know, Black Panther as this uh, go-to, as, as, you know, something to compare it to, but, you know, let's be real, like, it, it, does, it just shows a lot of lazy writing uh, and a lot of really outdated writing to, force a a movie that i think a lot of people wanted but i don't i don't think as many people really wanted you know the end product once they saw it um well i I think that you know they actually kind of did um address that and i'm gonna go go back to one of my favorite characters marimbe you know when when she's having that conversation with him in the garden uh with the the young lavelle in the garden uh and they're talking about movies um and they have that line where uh he says what you know american movies are bad all we have is superhero movies remakes and sequels to movies that nobody asked for mm-hmm. um and i was just like oh so they're they're self-aware they're definitely self-aware you know with with regard to you know how how bad you know this is that they're doing it um but 
Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I think that honestly, when it comes to uh, we're talking about the patriarchy, you know, it's not, you know, simply, you know, just, you know, sexism or whatever by itself. Like it's it's an overarching patriarchy. Right. And I think that that's what was kind of supposedly uh, under analysis and attack uh, in this, you know, traditional Zamundan culture. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what to, to what Brandon is saying yeah, we, we, we don't, you know, focus in, we haven't focused in. And if this was a story uh, about transcending or overcoming the, the patriarchy, um, it would be better told through the, the lens of, of, um, I forget her name, Mika, uh, than, than Lavelle. Lavelle can be this character that's brought in that creates sort of a, a, a conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I think that, you know, if we are going to assault the patriarchy in some way, it's better to see it through through her lens and have her kind of be the uh, protagonist uh, as opposed to mm-hmm. like a support character that, you know, ends up being the um, the beneficiary of, you know, uh, some patriarch's generosity, I suppose. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think a smarter film would have been. Akeem just staying progressive. You know what? I think it would have been smarter to have Akeem recognize Mika as the heir. Right. And maybe she has to deal with war or incoming war possibly in a comedic way. Mm-hmm. I also thought about maybe if it is a quote coming to America part two, maybe she decides to be the first family member to study abroad or something. So that's a new element. Maybe Akeem is nervous about his daughter living there for so long, and then he decides to secretly travel there and watch her or something. Um, I don't know. That could have been interesting, I, but I don't. This this whole idea is centered around. What I find ironic is a lot of people online were talking to me crazy, like a lot of folks expected uh, the comedy from the eighties, but but you know it's all toothless now. And I'm like, this movie revolved around dicks a lot. Like yeah. I, I feel like the, I feel like that the humor in this. I mean, Leslie Jones. I mean, she. She essentially, sorry the word, but she she raped Akeem. I mean, like, there's some pr- pretty adult stuff in this movie. Well, I would say um, the person in the pitch meeting that had the winning pitch basically was the one that pitched the idea of, yeah, what if it's reverse coming to America? What if it's this American that's coming to Africa and he falls in love with an African woman, you know, and, you know, as opposed to the African guy falling in love with an American woman. And it's just going to be a flip flop. Right. And that's yeah. and that's going to be like, oh, there's going to be this father and son moment where they were both, you know, this this rebellious spirit or something. And that's what's going to I mean, that's all it was, basically. And that's the pitch that ended up winning. I suppose. I do want to say I do want to say that going back to I knew I knew what I wanted to say before is Akeem's character arc. And you said it in the original Akeem was this well-read man. He was quoting Nietzsche. He was an experienced warrior, just all around badass. So he thought. But this movie, without showing you, just tells you that you should accept that he's actually weak for some reason. And his father says that he isn't as ruthless as he is. Like, what does that even mean in this universe? Um, did Zamunda need a ruthless leader? He, uh, Akeem wanted to buck traditions and choose a queen for himself who, who thought for herself. And it's like, what made him stop at not letting his very capable daughter rule, especially if he was, quote unquote, a legend for doing his own thing? And like, what was the moment that broke him? I, this movie 
at critical times told us information exposition when it should have shown us and other times like when it came to is Lavelle really his son they didn't say anything at all and I think that's kind of the core of why I don't like this movie it just it just doesn't like all the cameos and the and the nostalgia are sprinkles yeah but that should be on a very fully realized cake I feel like this whole movie is just a sprinkle cake and I'm just biting into just these <laughs> these just sprinkles yeah. <laughs> and it's you just know what every every time someone life. mentions that the sprinkles I always have to go back to um do you know what they call sprinkles in uh, Australia what hundreds and thousands they're just called hundreds and thousands and I thought that's kind of nut it makes me laugh every single time but to go back to to what you were saying about like the the character development and you know the arcs I guess um I don't get how Mika suddenly turned she turned like in a moment, you know, to yes. decide to like start helping Lavelle. And it was yes. just like, oh, did he have so much charm in that one moment that she started cutting uh, down bamboo and building cages with him? You know, and also how did Lisa turn? You yeah. know, how did Lisa turn and say, oh, yeah, this is my girl from Queens now. Like we we Queens girls in here now, you know what I'm saying? Where she would. I mean, like they don't show any of that. It's just a moment where it's just like, here, let me give you this Bulgari necklace here. Let me help you build a cage. You know what I'm saying? And I just, you know, like you have to suspend your disbelief too much because nothing too makes much. sense. Way too much. And it, it, it comes off. And at that point, that's when you know that one this writing is really lazy, number one. And then number two, this is basically just junk food for nostalgia. Um, and, you know, that's disappointing because that could have been, it could have been so much more. Like you said, it would be okay if this had been the pitch that won where it was like, okay, well, let's, you know, let's switch it up and then let's make this and make this into where the roles are reversed. That would have been fine. The thing is, is that they didn't have the writing to back up or make a movie out of it. You know, we just got, like you said, a, we got a cake tin that is full of hundreds of thousands and that's it. And, you know, I, I, people were coming at me cause I was in discussion board earlier uh, this morning when I was finishing the movie and they were like, Oh, well, you know, you're, you're, you're just, you know, you're, you're way too woke. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm way too woke. I just know what a good movie is. This is not a good movie. There's nothing about this movie other than, I guess, some of the acting and some of the the you know some of the, the the nostalgia that makes this a movie that I would want to watch. Like it's just not. And there's nothing in here with the character arcs that develops. There's, there's no real character development. There's nothing that's you can latch onto as as the the primary premise for what the film's all about. And that's what really disappoints me the most about this movie is that it just didn't make any sense. We're we're birdwalking a bit, but I do want to address the whole social media reactions and because we're in social media now, if you don't like something that someone else likes, I think I said it before on the show, it's not enough to just disagree. Yeah. Or have a discussion. If you just say, I don't like something that you like, people will trip over themselves, do these mental gymnastics to try to just demonize you outright of how you couldn't possibly like what they like. And as you said, there was, you're too old. I saw some comments. I, I posted a meme and in the comments, they were like, you know, people always trying to, you know, look for a, a, a Black Panther movie. This is just a comedy. I'm like, well, yeah, obviously we, 
we know that well, um <laughs> it just doesn't make sense um or people are like you know you know i just want to have a good time so i just had a good time you don't know how to have a good time P- people just come into a movie just wanting to hate so they just hate and it's like people will trip it's like the wonder woman or last jedi thing we could have very reasonable criticisms of these films your captain marvels i mean i even have criticisms of black panther but you have these criticisms of of these movies and people will go out of their way oh you have a valid criticism let me sidestep that and just say you don't like women well you know what it is right it's it's just like you think about what what you know we talk about media and what does the media do you know the media you know what does the media do the media constructs narratives right and it's no different on social media. Like it's just more democratized where now anybody can start to create a narrative about something else. And so that's what they seek to do. It's, it's, it's a behavior where if, if, if you're online and someone says something that you don't agree with, you know, they can start to construct a narrative about the people who disagree with them. And, you know, whichever narrative, you know, has more strength or, you know, has more of a wave is, is going to carry the day, you know, is going to win the day in, in, in social media as well as any other sort of media. So right. uh, the reason why people do that is because they can, because now like they're in control of a narrative that they can kind of construct. Yeah. Yeah. It's just terrible. I, I just, I thought that kind of went away. I mean, with Wonder Woman, because it was so universally panned that you don't like women thing got drowned out because it was just, an objectively bad movie. And, and as far as the comedy in this movie, I feel like the comedy was kind of like boomery, you know, like in, in, you know, not necessarily like just boomers, but, you know, Gen, Gen uh, X or whatever else like that. You, you, you look at it and it's just like, it's, you know, when, when coming to America came out 33 years ago, young people could mm-hmm. like it. Yeah. I think the coming to America that came out just now is a movie for people that were young at that time. It's very much just this nostalgia and it's not really, you know, comedy that, you know, young people that relates to, it's not edgy to young people, you know, well, you know, who wrote this, who wrote this movie, the same folks who wrote the original, some of them returned for this, but also, um, Kenya Barris, the guy who did, who wrote blackish and black as fuck, which I didn't like. Um, he also was behind this too. Yeah. Yeah. And it shows. It shows yeah, for me. It does. I, I think, you know, to wrap up my thoughts about it, you know, um, you, it goes back to the, that same quote, you know, from Jurassic Park. And <laughs> yeah, I know, I know you're going to say. It was, was, you know, sitting there and, and after the presentation about how they're cloning the dinosaurs. And it's like, you're so concerned about, you know, whether or not you could, you didn't yeah. decide yourselves whether or not you should. Yeah. And I think that yeah. definitely applies here. It's just, there's so many things about the movie that it's just like, you didn't have to force it. You could have waited. You could have actually gone and, and written. There's nobody that was clamoring for you to do this. Like there was no deadline. Mm. Did it anyway. Um, and, you know, for $120 million, I didn't really feel like you got $120 million out of that movie. I don't even think you really got 15 to 20. Um, and those that, cameos are expensive, bro. I'm sorry. Those people got to be paid to show up, especially. To- well, shit. I mean, what, what, you know, you, when you're talking about the, the, the star power that came into the movie, right. Um, James Earl Jones himself, he can just, you know, all he has to do is breathe hard one time. And he gets paid a mill. 
right? I mean, um, he just he was chilling the bed. That's all he did. Then that's it, right? He chilled in the bed. He chilled in a coffin. Like he didn't even walk. I didn't. I didn't think he he walked in this movie. He he just he just either laid or stood around. He didn't take yeah. a step in this movie. Not what what a what a life. <laughs> um, I don't want to spend too much time on this because because we are running long. But I do want to get to a couple of points that I that I missed. Did you all get a real sense of threat from General Izzy? Because no. he kind of came in with 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 his drum line, and they were kind of intimidating. But in the end, if the three ninjas and Simi took out his squad, like what was the real threat of war if he just didn't have a son and if they're using shake weights to train in DDR, that part was funny to me. But if they're doing all that wild shit, what what what's the threat? I just doesn't make sense. Like I feel like every piece of this film, like Leslie Jones was good, but did I really really need her in this? Like compare like in reference to the original film, not really. The shake weights and, and shit, like that was funny. Maybe in a better movie, I would have. It would have I would have really like connected to, to that even harder. It was funny. It, it's a meme. It's memeing. You know, they're memeing, you know, in this movie, like with DDR and shake weights and stuff like that. So it's going but to that, appeal even, even to a younger audience. But even that's super old. I mean, like who, who uses sh- shake weights? I mean, that's 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 like a 15 year old, 10 year old meme at this point. No, I mean, um, what else? What else did I want to say? I wanted to say, let me look at my notes here. There are no iconic moments or quotables in this sequel. Um, anyone who's trying to, act, you know, I had friends online like, I can't see how anyone can't like this movie. And I'm like, we can quote Coming to America all day. I can literally watch that movie and just recite word for word, like with with the script. Everything is a quotable, a meme, as you said. There's nothing quotable about this movie. That didn't um, come from the original movie. Yes. Ha- like half half the script is is old shit, shit from, the, from the previous film. What else did I have here? Oh, the lion test. They made a big deal about you have to get the courage and the knowledge and skill to take whiskers from a resting lion. So you have to sneak up on it while it's asleep, take its whiskers, and you win. And just like other plot points that got established that this is how it's supposed to be done, he just made a cage, put some weird cat food in it, which makes no sense again. It's a fucking lion. (laughs) And then cuts even though it's trying to like get through to him he gets really close to its mouth and claws and just clips the whiz like that line would have would have messed him up and then he threw the can and then he threw the can like that's supposed to distract a lion that eats people-sized animals every day like it was i really checked out at that point like i i paused I think for like the first half, I paused several times and just walked, just walked around the house. I'm just like, what the fuck is this movie? I was literally yelling. Like, like my neighbors probably heard me just like, what is this? <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, the biggest no point, I was like st- uh, Steve Carell in the office when, uh, as soon as Mika was helping out Lavelle, cause I was like, You're, yeah. you were my last hope. And then it was just like, no, no, <laughs> I, I, I had to, I had to take a break. Like, what is this movie? Do you guys have any, any closing thoughts? I did have uh, some, I guess, little bits of trivia or things that I noticed. Um, okay. Do you remember uh, close to the end when um, old buddy, um, uh, or not old buddy, uh, King Akeem went to, to, to Queens and he was running trying to find the church and he tried to get a lift? 
Did you guys notice who that Lyft driver was? Um, he's in WandaVision. Yeah, he's yeah. he's Phil from WandaVision, and he has like the same yeah. mustache. I guess that's that guy's right. trademark or whatever else like that. But I noticed him, and I was like, oh man, that's the same guy from WandaVision, Phil. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, Randy Watson and Sexual Chocolate. Uh, I noticed that um, you know, like I looked at I looked up some trivia, and it's just like Randy Watson, uh in coming to America invented the mic drop or originated the mic drop, you know, and that's how it became a part of popular culture. So everybody that does mic drops, even Barack Obama with the mic drop and everything, he was basically copying off of Randy Watson from sexual chocolate and Randy Watson, Randy Watson and sexual chocolate. I thought that was Randy Watson. And um, I I thought it was also really funny when uh, Marimbe was uh, recounting the legend of uh, Prince Akeem going and getting the queen. And she was like, he battled bug eyed burglars. And they showed Samuel (laughs) L. Jackson. (laughs) Yeah. What? And of course, you guys caught the trading places um, reference to. Yeah, Yeah. the Duke, the Duke family. Yeah. 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 Colin Joe sets himself up so perfectly to be the punchline, you know, for like the racist white guy as well, you know. And that was that was so just cringe. I don't know. Yeah, cringe too. Yeah, there's a lot of these cringe moments. This is a very cringe movie. Yeah. It just there's just so many, like I said, just so many pieces of ideas that just didn't have good connecting yeah. tissue. It's really disjointed. Before we get off of this, though, does anybody have any opinions on the music? I mean, I'm talking about more about like the performed numbers, you know, the performed bits. It was Spider-Man three level for me. Like there was this there was a part where Shari Headley, uh, Lisa stopped to look over at Mika like, what the hell is this? And I'm like, girl, that is me right now. Why are we doing this? I mean, Sean Taylor is gorgeous. Sean Taylor, I any excuse to look at Tiana Taylor, like I'm for it. As soon as she revealed herself, I forgot she was in this movie. As soon as she revealed herself and um, Lavelle and his mom were just like, Oh Lord. I was like, Oh Lord. But man, I did not need any of that for real. If, if I want to look at Tiana Taylor, I can just Google that at this point. I don't need this in this movie. Hey, but I'll tell you what, yeah. get off, get off went hard. The Prince song. Oh, true. true. That, that true. was kind of a slapper. You know what I'm saying? Because I actually, yeah. you know, I, you know, claim to fame. You know what I'm saying? I saw Prince in concert on New Year's Eve, 1998. You know what I'm saying? Compact Center, oh, Houston, wow. Texas. Oh, that's, you know, that's and nice. and when yeah, when he, when Prince when Prince gets ready, when Prince gets out there and he starts performing that, like get off get off as a whole mood when you see it live, right? So it hit different for me. Um, and then we also see like um, the the salt salt and pepper and in vogue. And what I noticed about that was it was just kind of like sad because both of those groups have like conflict and turmoil, you know, like former members of En Vogue that won't come back and perform with the other one and have like, you know, beef Mm. with, you know, this, that and the other. And same thing with Spinderella and Salt and Pepper. And they're both kind of like in this movie doing. um, But I I, I also did think that uh, Gladys Knight got uh, I came out of there when it was like midnight train uh, from Zamunda, you know. Uh, she she kind of she kind of cooked him, you know what I'm saying. So I thought that was that was kind of good. Um. Also, when yeah. did when did Akeem's father become Yoda, where he just kind of chooses when he wants to die? 
<laughs> the legend. My, dude, I, he, like he said, said they ran out I of just, money. They ran out of millions. He couldn't breathe on the mic no more. And it was just they they, they had to let him go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, man. Speaking of like just wasted black women here, I am I got heated when they just brought back the Wolf Wolf Lady Vanessa Bell Calloway. And this, yes, and they I mean just based just because we heard the recent interview about her being passed over, like she could have been the actual queen, and I think she's yes. she, I mean she was amazing in the original film, and they brought her back out, put her in wardrobe and all this stuff just to have her hop around like a dog for five seconds and then boot her out like oh that i had to pause it at that point too i think i was one of my my first pause moments i'm like are we really doing this i was real mad when they when they when they had you know tiana taylor basically play that same role yeah yeah you know like i really expected you know them to you know have done something different with that character but it was just like the same joke yeah Yeah. wow Seven would not recommend. Uh, you know, if you don't, if you haven't seen this, um, which you know at this point, if you've listened all the way through and you've heard the spoilers, um, I don't know why you would want to watch it now. But uh, you know, if you want to protect, if you've seen the original and you want to protect the integrity of the original, don't watch this shit. Like I, I, that's 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 pretty much sums up exactly how I feel about it. The more I think about this movie, the more I get angry. The more it's just like, what you know. Yeah. It's it's very what? similar to like music for me, where it's just like if you put on like some old Ice Cube, like I am oh, in yeah. the zone. But yeah. like the if you put on some new Ice Cube that's very similar to the old Ice Cube, but it just seems like it's out of place. You know what I'm saying? It yeah. don't it don't hit the same way. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like I'm not with you know whatever worked in that particular era if you put on eddie murphy delirious or 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 raw or something else like that you know i'm with all the jokes because like i knew it was in like 1984 1985 you know what i'm saying but like if you try to get those same jokes off right now it's just like man everything's changed like you got to do something different i mean you know we're we're all big run the jewels fans you know we can appreciate lp in 1996 1997 but he changed his style continuously and is fresh in 2021 for a reason. And I feel like this movie just didn't, it, it couldn't reach those heights of yeah. just and, really evolving. And, and I saw something, I think it was LP's birthday the other day on Instagram. And he's like, you know, like almost March 50 2nd, yeah. or something else like that. And it's just, yeah, like, his birthday's March 2nd. Yeah. He's like, I think he's 45 now, 44, 45 now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, man, we got a lot. Of, that was, that was good. But yeah, I, I do have to edit all this, so let's get to WandaVision. I think, Draper, you and I left off right before Monica Rambo kind of unlocked her powers. Mm-hmm. I really liked her, like her entering. It, it, on one hand, I was really... On one hand, I admired her for braving through the barrier and just having that strength to go through. On the other hand, the black part of me was like, girl, what are you doing? Because <laughs> you know what just happened to you. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> she was like, "They are all this, this shit is altering your DNA. She's like, oh, yeah. So anyway, let me go through. I'm like, what? <laughs> Dog, like I'm saying like people, you know, like our people won't even get the vaccine these days, bro, because it's just like that <laughs> might alter our DNA. And she's just like, yeah, just alter me all up. Just fuck my shit up. Yeah. Fuck my shit up. Um, but 
she was great. I think ultimately, though, as excited as I think black people were for for Spectrum, I think she was underused. And especially at the end where they kind of just, they never really explained her powers, like never did anything. Like mm-hmm. when she entered the zone in the beginning and she saw, quote unquote, the spectrum of waves and stuff, that was cool. You, you can kind of visualize what her powers are. She, she can see this. Right. Um, and but then you know Scarlet Witch tried to attack her. She quote unquote neutralized it with something. We don't know what power that is. Like we don't even know what her power set is. I mean, if we us comic nerds know that. I, I talked about that with with uh, Draper on the show last time. But they never really explained what it was in this in the show. Which of course they had a lot to do. So I can't like blame them for it. But at the same time, it felt wasted to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how we're approaching this discussion, but like, honestly, I look at Monica Rambo and in the final two episodes, I shouldn't have had the high expectations that I did because like, I felt like I was kind of disappointed with what they were able to, you know, show of of her power. Um, and I wanted a little bit more Monica. Um, sure. And I just feel like, I'll get into it later. Let, let's have a little bit more discussion before I I go off. Well, I'm on the same vein. I, I'm, I'm go off, he says. Um, <laughs> uh, before I catch Draper's heat, uh, I'm, I'm on the same vein. I think that I, I, in the beginning, and again, you know, I was catching up because I was a couple of episodes behind. But you know, I was really excited. I was like, okay, great. You know, we're going to get into you know what is going to happen with Spectrum. I'm about it. And then I saw like no, ex, you know, no exposition, no actual, you know, revelations of what she's going to do with this power. So it's like, okay, all right, well maybe next episode. Then it was the finale. And I'm like, okay, that, that, that was a complete, that was not what I was expecting. I'm not happy about it. Now on the flip side of that, I got to thinking, okay, maybe that they they don't want to reveal too much because they're going to try to set it up in the extended cinematic universe. And I feel like that's where they're going. It seems like that's where they're going. My hope is that's where they're going because again, a lot of people have been talking about, okay, you know, what's, what's next? You know, we've already been, you know, introduced to Monica Rambo. So what happens next? Because again, we had that as a bright spot in that absolute, you know, terror of a movie uh, that I'm not going to get into right now. But, um, you know, I think maybe that's what they were doing. I could be wrong, but it feels well, no, like they're they're, they're obviously setting her up for Captain Marvel too. Then they've already uh, like said that she's going to be in it. I'm very excited for uh, Nita Costa, who's directing uh, Candyman, to to do that film, and I hope right. she includes a lot more Monica in that. I just wish there was a little more to to give us. Yeah. Before she, you know, goes off into space and whatever. Um, right. I don't want to go through every episode that we missed. I just kind of want to go through the through the basic plot points and then what we think about for the rest of the MCU. Yeah. I do want to talk about something that I got right. We talked about Nexus, right? Nexus mm-hmm. beings on the last show. And there was a commercial, I believe, in the episode right after me and Draper had our last show. And it had a commercial about a, a, the, the, the medicine, Nexus. Right. And, you know, are you grieving are you sad? Try Nexus to make you feel better. Change your reality. And it said, quote, make sure you check with a doctor 
yeah. and make sure the next is right for you. And I and at that at that point, I was like, bro, he's coming through, isn't he? He's coming through. Well, I think obviously we talked about Monica Rambo and the mid credit stinger for this finale, but obviously the end credits was Wanda doing the Doctor Strange, uh, checking every different reality to, to try to find her kids. Right. aspect and i talked about drape uh, talked to draper about the comics where dr strange was sensing an abuse of magic and came to check on wanda and try to help uh or stop her and i think this is the part where he because this is a bridge to dr strange right? right i think this is her trying to find her kids again i think that could be the abuse of magic that he has to check her on right and maybe he couldn't sense what was going on this time because she kind of closed him off to mm-hmm. that reality because of that, you know, the the hex barrier. Hex barrier but right. there's no hex barrier around her her little cottage, and I'm assuming she's in Sokovia. Right. So maybe it's easier for him to to sense that now. Right. Do you guys have anything to say? I want I, I want Draper to, to 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 go off because I, I have a- well I mean I do have I do have a couple of like funny moments or whatever that I enjoyed that like I connected okay. to you know things you know outside of you know the MCU um, and um, but I, and I, then I will just kind of get into my my idea about uh, with Monica. Um, no, so the one thing that I mentioned in the final two episodes, I, I noticed that, um, she's finally been named, you know, because like early in the episode, they were just like, no funny nickname or anything else like that. It's just Wanda Maximoff or whatever. All these super powered individuals have like a funny nickname. Uh, so in episode eight, you know, we finally like, oh, it's, you know, like now it's, she's getting her nickname right now. Um, right. so, so, so that was one thing. Um, another thing is like, in the beginning, I guess, I think it was the beginning of episode eight, uh, we have the de-aged um, Catherine Hahn uh, playing uh, Agnes, or not Agnes, Agatha, um, and she was being kind of uh, disciplined by her coven for dabbling into the dark arts or whatever. And the leader... That was a dark scene. Yeah, the leader, yeah. Of, the leader of the coven was like her mother, apparently, right? Um, yeah. It's, you know, um, and it's so funny because like that little back and forth between her and her mother just kind of reminded me of um, Kellyanne Conway's daughter, you know, who who just like kind of has like this beef with her mom on TikTok all the time, where it's just like she's dabbling into the dark, dark arts of TikTok and like pissing her mom off. And like that, yeah. that whole dynamic for me was just giving, giving very much Kellyanne Conway and her daughter. Yeah, um, the dark arts of socialism. Yeah, man. And so I thought that was that was pretty funny. Um, and I think the de-aging is just getting so much better and better. Like even yeah. with um, coming to America and and I was gonna um, say that, yeah. And WandaVision and different things like that. Um let's see. Um Darkhold. If there isn't already a strain of cannabis called Darkhold with like red hairs on it, I believe that there's probably going to be a strain of cannabis named Darkhold. And I know you watch Ends of Shield Draper. That was in that in that show as well. That the Darkhold. Yeah. And I I read some posts that the new director in that show, the black guy, I forgot his name, uh, the the big buff bald uh, black guy. He also held the Darkhold and had to give up his his own child as well. That's kind of a parallel with, with him and, and Wanda. Yeah. And and when we came back to that coven scene uh, with Wanda, uh, I just felt like um, 
uh, Agatha was doing the uh, the the Br'er Rabbit strategy. Please don't throw me in the briar patch. You know, saying, oh, please, please don't throw me in the briar patch. You know, where she was just like, no, 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 no. And then basically, like, that's exactly what she wanted because she knew that the witches would see her more as a threat. Um, So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, And lastly, I guess, I don't know, lastly, um, before I get into a little bit um, of black stuff, um, destroy the world. You know, she's destined to destroy the world, you know, Um, the dark hold and when it was written and who it was written by, you know, when they visualize the destruction of the world. I think that this has something to do with just like the multiverse opening up. Right. That's the destruction of the world that they're talking about. You know, that's what's been prophesied. And the only way that they had of kind of expressing that was just the destruction of the world kind of as we know it you know, um, and not necessarily destined to um, just kind of destroy the world. So I think that it's definitely leading towards um, a multiverse type of situation. You mean like how the Bible will interpret something as this, but in future terms it really means this and that. Exactly. I think that's, that's, exactly. that's great. That's great. How'd you guys, how'd you guys feel about everyone had these crazy expectations for, for Quicksilver and they just, swept the rug out from under us with that he's just a regular dude they're, they're having fun i think marvel's yeah, just really having, having fun, fun messing with us man and just really doing things because that they they know that they can and and yeah. here's what i here's here's what i think like they know that people are going to theorize they know yeah. that the 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 theorization you know industry is going to be huge and it just kind of like drives more and more and more and more viewership Week after week after week after week, you know, people are getting caught up that did, you know, in in week six, people started watching WandaVision to get caught up so that they could be there for the end or something else like that. Um, So I definitely think they know what they're doing when it comes to like, um, you know, dropping these little things in there. It's it's like uh, with Dottie as well. Right. Um, A lot of people like had a lot of theories about Dottie because of who Dottie played in Buffy. You know, body, Dottie played this this uh, revenge demon or something like that in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so the actress who plays her. Uh, mm-hmm. And that also Dottie's real name, Dottie's character's real name when she's not Dottie was Sarah Proctor, who was also a witch that was executed in the Salem witch trials and everything else like that. So, like, they are just putting all these little bitty things in there. And sometimes they don't even let it go in the show. Sometimes they just drop it in the IMDB. You know what I'm saying? So people yeah. will just start going into overdrive and, and developing these theories around it. And it's very, I feel like it's very calculated and very like effective in driving eyeballs to, to whatever they want them to see. I think that's, totally right. that's a really cool point that you made because you know what, you know, what I feel, and I think that, that old school, Marvel readers, weird Marvel readers, going back to you know the the eighties and in the nineties. I think what you're seeing is there is a certain element of um, let's see what would Stan want us to do. What would Stan really want us to do to really bring this uh, to bring this to life the way that it should be brought to life? Because again, the the story of uh, of you know the Scarlet Witch, you know Quicksilver, all of these things that are that they're dropping these small breadcrumbs, like Dribble was talking about, and some of them that they're just alluding to. A lot of this is is not just calculated, but it is just really good writing. 
really good writing um, and, and getting people to really get caught up in, you know, the, the shape of things to come for the MCU. Because again, you know, X-Men is, is now going to be in the MCU, right? And they tie it together and they're trying to, to use this as that jumping board onto, you know, we're moving into a much different, much more uh, a multiverse style of, of storytelling that we got us a small taste of with Dr. Strange and with uh, what we saw with, uh, you know, in uh, game and, and, you know, the last two Avengers films. So I think that that's what we're seeing and in, in what we have seen in this, uh, especially the last couple of episodes. Can we talk about that? Uh, the interest in the, can we talk about the introduction of the X-Men is Wanda now the first mutant because they kind of retconned her story to naturally have gifts, which is the first character to ever do that. Every other character. I mean, Thor, I guess was born with it. Right. But he's like a God alien thing. Everyone else, everyone else, every human person, he he can't be a mutant. Right. But every regular person has been augmented. Right. So they, we were kind of worried about how Wanda got her powers because she just started out with this telepathy, telekinesis, but now, it evolved to her reality bending powers that we know from the comic books. And then they went back around to her origins from age of Ultron and fleshed those out and pretty much made her a mutant. I think even in the comic books, her parents um, that she grew up with weren't her real parents. And it was revealed after she joined the brotherhood of mutants that Magneto actually was her father. So I'm wondering if down the road, they're going to introduce Magneto as her father. Like those parents that died in the, in in that, in that bomb weren't really your parents or whatever. Well, well, the timelines, the timelines start to get super duper weird, you know, when you, when you start talking about that, because if you talk about what days of days of, you know, future past or what what was it called? Um, You know, like you start to get into, you know, the different timelines of, of X-Men and when, you know, uh, Magneto and X were young guys and then how they came of age to be, you know, the leaders of their respective factions and everything else like that. Um, Yeah, that I'm not sure how that plays into the kind of MCU kind of timeline. Well, those timelines aren't related. So I actually did a show with Fantastic Frankie on uh, the 20th anniversary of X-Men last year. And we talked about how they could modernize this, just how, you know, the original Iron Man was set during the Vietnam War. He was introducing weapons of the Vietnam War, and they modernized it for him to be uh, in Afghanistan. And I'm wondering what kind of... So I'm wondering with Magneto how they can modernize his origin story to age him up to the appropriate level for her. There's a lot of people that, you know, watched these X-Men movies and are aware mm-hmm. of, you know, when things were supposed to be happening and... Um, and it's just like, I, I understand that those were all Fox X-Men movies. And so, but, but at the same time, I feel like those movies still kind of exist. And I know that they're going to start again with a whole new cast and all of these other things, but it's just, and I guess this is a new origin story for X-Men. So I, I suppose they can do whatever they want with it. Um, but again, if we're, if we're going to go back to having Magneto and everybody be her dad, um, 
and that's going to be the 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 reveal at some point. I'm I'm just really not. It's going to be interesting to see how they try to make that work. No, I agree. As you said, there are existing source material that can confuse people. I mean, Civil War in the movie is nothing like the Civil War in the comic, right? There's so many things that they've. I mean, even Infinity War is not at all like Infinity War in the movie. So I'm very curious how they do adapt these things, but maybe it's on the table. I don't know. Yeah. But they're definitely going to have to modernize X-Men in some way, like they did Iron Man. For sure. Yeah. So one of the interesting things that, you know, um, that Sky just made me think of, uh, you know, what would Stan do or something else like that. I just saw Mm -hmm. news that uh, Ryan Reynolds is going to replace the cameos replace Stan and all the cameos from now on. I heard about that. I heard about that. Yeah. As Deadpool, I suppose. I also heard that he's angry at Disney and, and might leave, but I doubt he's going to really leave that Disney money. Well, I, what I, what I saw is that he actually, one of the sticking points was for him was that Deadpool remained rated R and they've right. agreed to that. They've agreed right. to like have Deadpool three be their first rated R movie. Um, mm-hmm. But then they also, and I, you know, I thought that that would be like, oh, well, Disney is adapting. Their audience is adult. Their audience wants more like kind of uh, adult themes uh, and different things like that. Uh, they're growing and we're going to serve, you know, a segmented market where we're going to have a younger market and older market. But then you look at them and they're basically saying that like, yeah, Deadpool's going to be rated R, but Blade is, we're still going to make Blade PG-13. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not cool with that at all. All right. Again, we're bird walking. Okay. If if I'm talking about, you know, the the whole Monica thing and why I'm disappointed is that Monica was kind of shaping up to be kind of like this super duper powered person that we wanted to see. But she ended up serving as a trope, you know, and it's very much the the magical Negro trope, you know, that the whole scene with her and Wanda closer to the end where it's just like, Wanda, you're the best. Nobody knows what you're giving up. And, you know, we'll see you again. And we we hope that you're going to, you know, do this, that. And, and it's just like, you know, she's like basically placating and, you know, like, oh, this super duper powerful. And it's just like I, I didn't I did. I, I was really disappointed a little bit by that, that kind of ending, even though we didn't necessarily get to see her manifest, you know, her full set of powers or understand her powers or anything else like that. We just saw glimpses of it, but, you know, at the same time, you know, just the, the, the conversation and the way that her character kind of consoled Wanda, you know, after Wanda had done, you know, some pretty reprehensible things and, and it showed, you know, that like she was, keeping you know parents from their kids you know and not even able to hug their kids for you know you know whatever duration that this took place and you know the the nightmares that she was you know basically giving these people and forcing them to kind of suffer after she was made aware of those things she's just like all right well i'm gonna let you guys go and i'm out and then monica's just like you know, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. Like I would have done the same thing. And, you know, it's just like, why, why are you, I mean, like, it's not even necessary. I mean, I suppose a super duper powered person, you don't want them to go and feel too pissed off about everything, but I don't know. I just, I don't understand why it was important for her to create this universe when she just could have created her hubby and just been done with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you said, 
she was made aware of all this stuff and she still persisted to keep these people hostage. And so, yeah, she is, I mean, we, we had a fan question about, is she a villain? And even though the movie is, is not really trying to really, really say that she is, a, I mean, she, what, what she did was pretty messed up, was very messed up. Yeah. They were like, we can't even sleep. Or they were like, when you let us sleep, we have nightmares. So everyone has like a, a mental lights out. So how does that work? If I am trying to like stay up and watch some, something, does she just shut my brain off and I just fall out wherever I am? Well, well one of the interesting things that I, the bed? that I think we saw visually was when she was uh, cutting down the hex or whatever, um, we saw like everything, you know, kind of showing the reality of the way that it was. And like all of these shops and everything, all of these storefronts were just like dusty and, yeah, yeah. you know, this, that, and the other. And it's just like, it, it goes into this, this idea that she was only activating people in the scenes where she needed them. And other than that, they were just kind of just inert, you know, they, you know, were, you know, not really going about their daily lives and, and handling the things that needed to be handled, like not only in their neighborhoods, but also the storefronts and everything in the, in the town, like only when she was walking through or when vision was going to be walking through or when her kids were going to be walking through, were those people like activated to pretend to do something. Uh, it's like that Rick and Morty episode where they had that, that react, that um, the aliens were trying to get the formula from Rick, the the dark oh, matter. Yeah. And they had that, that's a simulation that was only activated at certain points at certain levels. And that was, I guess that was just how she was. Yeah. It's messed up. It's kind of, it's the frozen thing where, you know, Elsa effed up the town and then just left. Yeah. And it's like, you all deal with it. The cold ne- never bothered me anyway. And in this movie, not a movie, in this TV show, she messes things up. As you said, it's all dusty, messed up. She could have used her powers right there to just fix the town. But it's just dusty right. and folks are traumatized. And she's like, you know what? Hey, I'm going to put on my hood and fuck off. See ya. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, and, what? And it was like exactly <laughs> when she heard the one times. When the one times came, she was just like, all right, I'm out. Yeah. You know, and everything else like that. Like, I can't be here when these laws get here. You could easily turn yeah. them into butterflies if you wanted to, but and like fix a town. But you just like, oh, I'm out. I'm just like, what? Really? Like, you are. Before Civil War, I was like, I am Team Cap on this. Right. But after she just did this and she has no accountability, I'm like, man, you you really do need to be um, watched. I mean, who can really do it? But Dr. Strange and hopefully he addresses how effed up. I feel like there's going to be backlash about how Disney handled her villainous acts. And I hope that Dr. Strange is kind of like that Batman v Superman answer to Man of Steel, like retroactively. Yeah, because this was really fucked up what she did. Oh, yeah. But and, and and you know it leads to it leads to probably one of the few holes in the emotional honesty of you know the the way that the show ended right where yeah you know they arranged it where it shows Wanda as like this person who had this this huge self sacrifice that goes unrecognized other than or 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 you know conversely when she really is you know in truth this person that committed these really really terrible violations. Um, to the minds and the bodies of these people of this town, right? And, right. you know, it's saying that the people of Westview, oh, well, you know, they'll see her as this person that, you know, they're, they're, that, you know, is this monster, um, you know, that this monster that traumatized them, you know, is she ever going to ever really stop traumatizing them? You know, those are, that's one of the only holes that I would say that is is left um, 
in the whole way that the the, the show you know wrapped up overall, right? Um, yeah. I think that's something that that probably will maybe I maybe in the in the end or in the long run or in the expanded universe will be uh, reckoned with. You know, right now we don't know, but that that to me was the only hole that I saw that there was in the way that the show ended. Okay, what did you guys think about the um, the battles, the action? Now that we've kind of gotten through the story a bit, I feel like episodes one through eight had a a really consistent buildup. Yeah, and then nine episode nine just felt like it was okay, but it felt like your typical movie where it's just okay we're like we got all the story out the way now it's just bang bang lasers and stuff yeah and it was fine i I think when i first watched the episode i was kind of turned off they just were just throwing out too many elements at once and not giving attention to some other things and like how did jimmy get that phone when like the guard was clearly watching him like behind, like he was being watched at all sides and he just randomly picks up this phone. Like that was weird. Hey man, Jimmy I got like skills, Jimmy. man. Jimmy, Jimmy got a criminal element link. He, he knows how to get out of handcuffs. He knows yeah. how to just like palm, palm different devices and, you know, sleight of hand. And he'd been on the streets, man. He got, no, a, I like he him. raps, he got I a flow. Like him, but that was, that was weird. But uh, I don't know. I, this episode wasn't my favorite at all. Um, even the whole idea of Agatha taking powers, like when she took powers from the coven, like they were dead in like a few seconds. Whereas with Scarlet Witch, it was like, I don't, I don't understand the rules here. It's, you know, it's like, it's like coming coming to America. It's like, I want to suspend my disbelief, but I need you to like, give me something to really understand. from, From a logical perspective, I think that it's just like, um, each one of those witches is like a glass of water with with a certain amount right. of magic in them. And sure, sure. Wanda's magic was just so much that like it took a longer time to 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 kind of like drain it out of them, drain it out of her. Well, what I'm specifically talking about is when Agatha had that connecting line with them. Yeah. She took a lot out of them. Whereas with Scarlet Witch, she would just shoot a blast out and then her hands would shrivel, which I didn't understand why that was. That was weird to me. I mean, I understand that it took a long time, but she really, like there were a lot of times where she really, really messed her up. So, And, and it, it's yeah. also the different types of magic, right? Where like, sure. That's true. you know, um, that might be why the rules were a little bit different or the approach would be a little bit different. Um, and it seemed like the the whole vampire, you know, trope where the vampire has to be invited in, you know, when yeah. it comes to like chaos magic or something else like that, you cannot like take it from that person. That person has to give it to you or whatever the logic might be. It might be some different type of thing. Well, I mean, you know. she took it right out the gate. I mean, as soon as she hit her for hitting her, her or choking her kids out, she was she was already having the shriveled hand as soon as she shot it at her. So I. I don't know. I think my favorite part of this of this episode was with Vision personally. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, like the man. ship of Theseus discussion it, was excellent. Yeah, I thought I thought it was kind of dope with both uh, Wanda and uh, Vision that they were both kind of behind the eight ball. Um, yeah. You know, even though they're incredibly powerful, you know, in the whole canon of of you know Marvel comics and everything else like that they were both kind of behind the eight ball with their, with their adversaries and they didn't beat them so much with power as much as they did with brains. 
in their like yeah. strategies, you know, and like Dr. Strange. Yeah. Like sure. Dr. Strange and Dormammu. Yeah. 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 I agree. I thought it was cool. You know, we talked about the Incredibles being on the movie marquee in a previous in a Malcolm in the Middle episode. And they had that kind of Incredibles moment where they, the kids and the parents teamed up. They had that kind of side, side uh, back-to-back scene against the military, just like Incredibles in the movie where they link up on the island and fight the, um, the guards. I thought that was, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Wanda says, boys handle the military. I'm very curious about what visions going to do. Like the real vision, like he has the mem- the data now and the memories. So he is quote unquote, the real vision. I did talk to Draper last time in the comic books after Wanda's kids were killed, they were not as close anymore. And so mm-hmm. I am wondering how this is going to affect their relationship because he only knows her right before she did these monstrous things. And I'm kind of curious what he's going to, how he's going to feel towards her after he learns about all this stuff. I, I think it could go two ways. I think they could go the, the route where it is the canon, right? Where they drifted apart, right? They actually got divorced. They, you know, were long, no longer together. Um, or they could build up to that. I think that that it's going to be interesting to see what the dynamic is, you know, when if you know the real vision makes a you know makes an appearance in the, the upcoming productions. I, I'm really that's you know one of the things that I think really made made it such a high point where even though there were some things that I was somewhat disappointed with the the uh, the finale, that the setup was done well. The the setup and and the yeah. for the extended universe to come is, is being done very well. Cause again, you know, we still have Loki, you know, to, to, to look forward to. So I think a lot of these things are all going to more or less mesh together um, to show us what's going to happen with the next cinematic productions that come out, you know, in the, in the coming years. Um, I don't know if I can say that about, uh, about the winter soldier and, and Falcon and the winter soldier. Um, that's a discussion for another day, but <laughs> Um, Honestly, this, like I'm super this, duper hype hype for Loki, but yeah, like I, I look at everything that I've seen so far from Winter Soldier uh, and Falcon, it's just like oh, I really I'm gonna watch it and like maybe Disney is gonna blow my mind and do something, but I just really it it's not doing it for me. Like nothing is getting me excited about it. I'm hoping because I really like the character arc. Of uh, you know of, of what happens you know in the canon, I really like what happens you know post Steve Rogers. I, I really do. I, I I really got into that with you know the Falcon the Winter Soldier. I just everything like you said that I've seen so far. I'm just like okay, you know what? I'm not going to watch any more trailers. I just want to just you know I want to go through my my Zen machinations. I'm going to follow the Brendan Spencer method and just not <laughs> any more trailers because I'm just really just uh, I'm, I'm skittish right now. Yeah, I actually, really... I didn't watch any uh, trailers for WandaVision. I just saw like some of the print advertisements for it, like the posters mm-hmm. and everything. And I actually went into it without watching. Yeah. I was just like, I'm just going to watch this, you know, like, how do you feel? And um, yeah, it, it ended up, you know, living up beyond the expectations, <clears throat> I think, as a, as a total yeah, nine sure. episode arc and series. Do you think you'll adopt the no trailer thing now or or you'll just or no, that I'm just a fluke? I'm still not going to do that because like my whole, the whole reason for me doing that is just like, 
I'm not going to, you know, if, if I'm going to be confronted by it all the time, I'm not going to just like mm-hmm. avoid it, like, and, and use my energy to avoid it, you know, where I feel like with WandaVision, it wasn't like as out there, you know, um, sure. because, you know, as it pertains to like all of the things that were in what um, the, the previous phase of uh, the MCU in the previous phases yeah. of the MCU, like once they got past, you know, the phase one and we got into like phase two, phase three, it was kind of unavoidable. It was just everywhere, You're right. you know, and I was at like, least the, the, the memes were for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge I'm consumer old. of memes. <laughs> yeah. That's, see, that's, that's, that's where I'm going to have problems with is because I'm, I mean, look, look at our chat. Like I got memes for days, right? Um, I'm going to try it for as long as I can without crumbling. So I, 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 I tried it with this, um, and it worked out, but it was easier for a little bit easier for me to do it because I wasn't really dealing with Disney plus and I was trying to, you know, I, I see something pop up for it. And I'm just like, ah, no, I'm not going to watch that. Right. So I just curve it off to the left. It worked out well for me this time. But then again, you know, I came into it with high expectations because I love weird Marvel. I really do. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as what happens with, you know, for the future, I'm actually going to make a concerted effort just to try to avoid it. And I think I can do that um, and embargo myself, but I give myself, I give myself about six months before I crumble. Um, and, and that's, that's a hard ceiling. That's a hard ceiling. Cause there's, I love me. There's a lot coming out. Yeah. Just uh, in, in regards to the, the memes, um, mm-hmm. The the memes depicting uh uh vision as kind of being a, a brother. Oh, Vishan. Vishan Vishan instead of vision. <laughs> now okay. now that brings me like when I start talking about white vision and quote unquote colored vision. <laughs> um <laughs> bruh, I mean the magical Negro trope comes back again because he had to drop that knowledge on him and just like bruh. set him straight, you know, set the white vision straight so that the white vision could go out there and and handle his business in the world and so like I'm gonna now, make a meme. you know paul bettany being a, a magical negro in, in colored colored form i don't know man it's 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 a struggle they said they they set vishan up to be basically uh dr umar johnson right <laughs> i don't know if we're going that far no 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 he's in like a do-rag and shit. you know like, but he's not worth but, but you, I want to. I want to make a meme. I want to make a meme where it is um, Doctor Black Manta Hatton and him. Oh, and it's like God. who could who could who could outwit who? And because you know Vision outwitted himself, Kenny outwit Doctor Manhattan in, in, in a, a talk off. Oh man, that'd be pretty sick. The, the synthetic synth- synthesoid with the Mind Stone versus Doctor Manhattan. But you're talking about a very specific Doctor Manhattan, right? Yeah, I want I want him with the Hotep hat and that and that onk necklace versus the do rag wearing vision. Okay, <laughs> just see who's gonna win. <laughs> uh, all right, man. and on that note, let's uh, <laughs> let's end the show. What do you guys think? Who's who? Who would win that matchup, folks out there? Let us know <laughs> in the comments. Yeah, this was blurred up. Thank you all for listening. Uh, of course, we're on Facebook at B L E R D U P, and we are on Instagram at B L E R D period U P. We are on Twitter at B L E R D U. Uh, Sky, where can they find you? Hey, get at me on that uh, dumpster fire called the tweets. Uh, on the Twitterverse, you can find me at H underscore R underscore paper stacks. Or if you like uh, 
really buying social commentary and awesome memes, you can check me out on the Facebooks. Just look for Sky Muhammad and you can find me there. And of course, we are on Blurred.com Art Partners, awesome website full of nerdy content from a black cultural lens. And uh, we're going to sign out here. Thank you.